IntelliKey Leadership Stories, the podcast for conscious leaders. We share the lessons learned from global leaders making an impact for their organizations, stakeholders, and investors. For people, community, and environment, we get inspired by their experiences, attitudes, and practices. Here are your hosts for IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Welcome back, everyone, to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. And Kirsten, each and every week, we get to talk to conscious leaders who are really successful in building their organizations, and some are nonprofits, and some are global you know, corporations, but they're all defining success, maybe a little bit differently. They are. And yet what we're finding are these standards that the UN is really starting to set and put a stake in the ground that these are the necessary requirements for the future, not just a, at a base minimum. And then the, the influence of the B Corps is really starting to change a lot of the dynamics of how companies run. Yeah, so it's not just profit and it's not just quarterly earnings and so forth, but really taking success to a higher level. Yes, yes. Well, it's with that background, we're just so glad to have as our guest today, Michael Bjarns. Michael, welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Hi, Kirsten. Thanks so much for having me. Michael is an author, a speaker, an advisor to companies. He's worked in oncology and neuroscience and diagnostics. But his latest book has to do with redefining success along the lines of what we've been talking about, just redefining what it means to be successful. Michael, maybe we can just start there. And what are some of the new metrics that people are thinking about when they say they want to be successful? Yeah, so that's a really pertinent question This at this time, right? With this whole great resignation, I think everyone's trying to reevaluate what success means for themselves. And what we're seeing is that individuals are thinking of success more holistically. And it's not just career success based on salary and benefits and moving up and getting that swanky title, but a lot of, you know, other characteristics. How does, how does my job, how does my organization, how does it affect the world, make an impact? What will be my lasting legacy? And not only that, but from a personal standpoint, how, do, how does my career and what I aspire to do on a career front, how does that affect the rest of my life from family, community, fun? Uh, if you're religious, uh, your involvement in religion, there are so many different characteristics that I highlight in my book that you know it, you have to look at this well-rounded approach if you truly want to feel successful at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And what are some of those constellations that you're hearing from the people that you interviewed from your book? What, what would be those milestones that they look at? Yeah, so what's funny is you hear a lot of people say that there's this concept of chasing happiness, right? And they're trying to follow their passions, whatever that means. And I actually kind of debunk this whole follow your passion business because in the end, you know, in my mind, passion, your passion can change over time and it will change. And so what's really critical is understanding this holistic lens, like, I've, like I mentioned, where you look at career and yes, that is one major component of your life, but it's how are you growing as an individual in other aspects as well, right? How are you making an impact? And I think that the first question, and I have this whole framework laid out, but the first question is when your time on earth is done, what do you want your lasting legacy to be? What do you want people to remember you for? And I bet you it's not 
you know, working 40 hours a week or however many hours you're working and just sitting in a cubicle all day. There's so many other aspects that you want people to think of you about. And so that's what this book is trying to do. And so you see throughout all of my interviews, people making hard pivots, hard decisions, some of them voluntary and some of them in response to things that happened to them. Uh, we had, I had an example, someone that was laid off due to COVID-19 and, and having to deal with the stress, the anxiety, but also one of the feelings that this woman felt was relief. And so if, if one of the feelings that you're I know that relief, relief well, <laughs> yeah, that, and, and so that's telling, right? So understanding what drives you, what your priorities are, and then understanding, you know, how you adapt to make sure that your life is well aligned around those priorities. That's the real key that, that I'm seeing throughout all of my stories. As you're talking about this, what's going through my mind, right? I know that you have this neuroscience background, which is making its big debut right now, right? There's a lot of study and work being done on neuroscience and the impact of that particular science in the body, mind, spirit, and soul development. How much of that has informed even your own making of this book and looking at redefining? How do the two merge? Because I would put that almost in metaphysics, although I know the scientists hate to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so my book is truly at the intersection of stories, science, and in the end, tactics and strategies that you can implement. And so I'm a scientist at heart, a nerd at heart. I want to see data, right? And so one of the studies that I'll, I'll highlight actually is about happiness. I wanted to see and learn more about what is happiness? What are the components of happiness? Most of the time when life throws us a curveball, our instinct is to change our circumstances, right? We want to get a new job. We want to go find a new house. Maybe we're reconsidering what relationships we've built. Um, but what's funny is through the science, all of those components are only about 10% of the happiness pie. And so happiness is, is based on this research that came out of, I believe, the University of Michigan. Um, they did this fantastic study, and they actually found that 50% of our happiness is genetic. So you inherit that when you're born. So not much you can do there. So what can we focus on? Well, that's the other 50%. Like I said, 10% is our circumstances. So that's salary, house, car, relationships, you name it. 40% of our happiness is mindsets. Those are the things that we can truly change. The way that we view the world, the way that we see the, the circumstances that affect us, any events that might affect us, 40% is what we really should be focusing our time and energy on. And if you look at how we spend our resources, our time, our money, it's actually to change that 10%. We want to get happier. We want to change our house. We want to change our circumstances. When in reality, it's all of these largely free things that we can do to change our mindsets that will drive happiness, that will drive fulfillment. And so that was really a game changer in my book uh, and, and in my own personal thinking. And where does the science of the heart fit into that? Right. So where's the connection of the mind in the heart? Because it's, you know, coming to pass that the heart actually holds more influence than the mind does when you start really working with some of these other principles to have this shift. Yeah. So I also talk a lot about the physiological changes that take place when adapting some of these mindsets, right? And some of those are, you know, cortisol levels, stress levels, things that, um, you know, cardiovascular events, we're talking about uh, heart attacks, things like that. 
that come with anxiety, that come with stress. And uh, so one of the concepts that I actually talk about is this idea of workaholics. A lot of us like to spend a lot of time at work, but it takes a massive toll on our heart, right? And there's, there's ter terrible health ramifications there, but there's actually studies that show that if you are actually engaged in activities that align with your priorities and you fall into a bucket of what's called an engaged workaholic, meaning that yes, you might be working a lot, but you're in, it, it is aligned with what you prioritize and you value. Uh, so I actually have a wonderful example in here about Aaron. I, I just have to interrupt because I'm really excited, Mark. We have a yeah. new term. We have a new term, <laughs> engaged workaholic. Yeah. <laughs> I feel a little better now. Sorry, I had to, I had to just chime in there. So you're in good company because so Ariana Huffington, she is a self-prescribed engaged workaholic, right? And so she has been working almost 18-hour days for as long as you can, as you can think. And it's come with all sorts of personal success, organizational success. But what happened was about 10 years ago, one day she was working at home and she wound up collapsed on the floor, bloody cheek in a pool of her own blood. And to your point about the heart, what she found was not that she was, uh, needed to change her lifestyle in that in terms of being an engaged workaholic, because um, like, fortunately that's what she likes to do. That's what drives her. But what she realized was that she was forgetting to sleep. And so uh, one of these things that actually comes to fruition is, is this whole idea of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? And so you can move up towards self-actualization and telekey is very much like the self-actualization concept, right? Mm -hmm. But as if you are neglecting those bottom tiers, those physiological needs like sleep, so she realized I can work all I want as long as I get eight hours of sleep. And that is what drives her, that allows her to keep working as, as much as she does, even you know, as, as late stage career she is now, she, she hasn't stopped. She is a machine. So um, that was a very roundabout answer, but I love that story and it's, and it's featured in my book as to, yeah. yeah. Well, I love, and what you described is this intersection of stories and science and you know, even your own experience. And as long as we're talking about the stories, I was really fascinated to see that one of them featured an Olympian, Apollo Ono. And uh, this, this episode will be airing just after the Olympics. So it really caught my eye that the Olympians, you know, that have this scientific training regimens, and yep. yet they've got to focus on their goals and their happiness and what they define as success too. What did you learn from Apollo Ono? Yeah. So Apollo's story is fantastic. So he, I, I was fortunate. I was able to, to join him in a conversation and imagine this, you work 15 years where you eat, sleep, breathe, everything you do is dictated by one activity. In his case, this was speed skating. He sees all the success. He is the most decorated US Olympian in history. And at the age of 28, he needs to retire because he can no longer compete at that level. So we talked at length about his transition, about how how do you take something that literally dictated your life since the age of 14? How do you rewire your brain to find something else that gives you that drive? And it's not easy, right? He talks about the struggles and it took him three to four years to get there. There's science to show. Uh, Bruce Feiler, he's written a book called Life is in the Transitions. He has this amazing research that shows that when you have one of these massive life quakes, as he calls it, um, it takes years. But fundamentally, 
the exercise is the same, no matter who you are. If you're an Olympian at the top of your game or someone like me who, you know, just, just trying to survive from day to day, uh, what matters is you find your priorities, but not just in career, across holistically, right? And the same exact story, the through line is the same. Find your priorities, align your life around the priorities. And now you still see him on TV. He's still working as a US Olympic correspondent. However, his true passion now is to help others achieve the best version of themselves. And he does this through writing books, speaking engagements. He's actually publishing publishing another book uh, later this month. It's going to be released uh, called Hard Pivots. And it talks a lot about this concept of pivoting in life, transitions in life. Uh, so fantastic story. You know, I love that we're talking about this pivot in life, right? This great awakening. I think many of us are facing this. My great awakening, you know, it came actually, the great resignation came before COVID for me, right? Leaving corporate, transitioning into a different way. And it, it, you're right. It's about three years and it's as if the dead has awakened, right? Mark and I were just laughing about that. Like I, I can feel that aspect, that workaholic come back. And I love her. Like she's somebody I really embrace and I haven't been able to find her. What do you offer? I think that's a huge conversation. People are transitioning for real, right? But we're so used to the old society that says, get up, make something happen, right? Where rather than having the time to allow my brain, the, neuro, you know, the neurological components to readjust to the new, what needs to happen. Can you talk a little bit about that process? I think that's an important one. Yeah, so that's crucial. Giving yourself bandwidth to truly think about and be thoughtful as to what you care about, what your values are, what you prioritize, right? And, and how you move. Our, our instinct is actually to start moving immediately. We don't like to sit still, right? Especially high achievers, people who have seen and, and grown throughout their lives. They like to just constantly be moving. But especially during a time of pivot, you need to be very thoughtful about which direction you start moving in. Because otherwise, you're just going to start moving in one direction. And Apollo talks about this in his story. You start walking in a direction and moving, taking tangible steps, but it ends up being the wrong direction. And so, <laughs> Mark, have you heard me talk about no, this a lot never. in the last few no. years? <laughs> we, we race in the wrong direction. So, right. <laughs> run so, faster. We're behind. <laughs> behind so, yeah. so this concept of, of truly understanding what drives you, understanding how you want your life to be aligned and understanding, you know, what's a tangible step that I can take. And it's going to be a baby step, right? We, we, I like to say that passion is not what's going to get you where you want to go. It's consistency, it's accountability, and it's understanding what your end goal is and why you want to get there. Because otherwise you're going to start churning and you're going to start sprinting. But like you said, it, it might be in the wrong direction. Well, and you've gained uh, some support and collaboration and inspiration from a, a, a bigger group of authors. And I thought we'd talk a little bit about how those collaborations and that training and connections, for example, with our former guests, uh, John Saunders, Lynn Yap is a part of that group. Uh, how have you gained insights from their experiences and how did they help you sort of craft and publish your book? Yeah, so John and Lynn are fantastic. Uh, they are amazing individuals. John is one of our author coaches now. So I, I've leaned on him heavily. He's a, he's a great friend and mentor. So fun fact, only 2% of people that start a book finish a book in terms of writing. So 2% who start writing a book will finish a book. In our program, because of exactly what you're saying, there's accountability, there's a community that forms. Um, there's this sense of engagement. 
in our cohort, we had 60% of people greenlit for publishing. 60. So it goes to show this whole concept that you see in the movies of, you know, when you're an author and you want to publish, you go hide in some cabin in the woods and you come out two months later with a finished manuscript. That doesn't work, at least not for most people. It's always the cabin in the woods. <laughs> right, exactly. Or maybe someplace in Tuscany. I don't know. Exactly. It's be uh, a beach in uh, Bora Bora. Yeah. Right. <laughs> But I can tell you this whole concept of, of working together, being able to spitball ideas, being able to just be in the presence of like-minded individuals with a similar goal, have this accountability built in and this support. Because you know, writing a book is a lot like entrepreneurship, a ton of highs, but a ton of lows where you're like, why the heck am I doing this thing? Who wants to hear from me? But in the end, it's because of this support that we had this great hit rate, the success rate for publishing. So uh, this program, I could not recommend it enough. It's through the Creator Institute. If you're thinking about publishing a book, that's the way to go. Well, and you started connecting the dots to entrepreneurship. And I, why don't you continue that thought for a minute? What lessons for our business leaders could we have from your experience in uh, publishing the book? Yeah. So uh, I really like this idea of minimal viable product, right? So you, you start this program and you have this idea for a book, the seed and what you find is you start writing and this seed is not the same plant that you thought you were planting, right? It's going to take you in all sorts of directions. And in the end, at least the way that I wrote, I didn't write linearly. I didn't write chapter one, then two, then three. I would write stories and lessons and I'd look at science and I'd start writing about some of the science. And in the end, it was, it was about putting all of these concepts on the board and piecing them together and understanding in the end, what, what would resonate with individuals? And so that meant feeding and bouncing my ideas off of fellow authors, off of my developmental editor. And it's this concept of minimal viable, viable product of what resonates, what doesn't make any sense whatsoever, and how do I start positioning myself in a way that in the end will lead to a cohesive story. And, and then once you have this product, then it's all about hustling, you're doing marketing, promotion, uh, communications, you're trying to build networking uh, with, with organizations and build collaborations and strategic partnerships, and you name it. Um, uh, there's, I, I, I do consult with some startup founders and, and the connections and the similarities between writing a book and, and starting a business are too scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I'm so glad because I, you honestly just spread, splattered my brain onto the wall, right? Like just stuff everywhere. Like when Mark helps me with my branding, it's really it's just a disaster zone, right? We're pulling things together. What, what you're speaking to, though, this creative process, I love that you're talking about the messy of it, right? Because when we talk about conscious leadership, we're talking about higher principles, but it, it takes a lot of work to get to the end goals, whether it's a small company, startup company, or, you know, billion dollar companies, there is a lot that goes into aspiring to these higher principles. What do you, um, what are some of the techniques that you offer up for people to actually have longevity and sustainability? I know there's consistency, right? But that's a hard one. Life happens, life gets in the mix, right? My daughter's going to call me really, I'm going to want to go to lunch with her over doing what I said I was going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think there's two things there. So the first thing I want to say is everything's iterative, right? Whether it's a startup and you're, and, or writing a book or 
Um, even trying to define what you care about today and what your priorities are today. What you care about today could change six months from now, and it w- likely will change as you're exposed to new opportunities, as you meet new people, as you hear new things. And so uh, one thing that I recommend highly in my book, so I have this whole exercise of creating what I call a life plan. And this stemmed from some work that was done out of Georgetown University and the University of North Carolina. And it's this concept of, of what, forget about it. Think that you are the star of a movie. What would your script look like if you could write out your script today? And then the idea is to start taking tangible steps and understand, okay, how can I start moving towards these things that I wrote about? And it's not just career. Again, it's a very holistic life plan. But then what I, I encourage and almost implore my readers to do is you have to set time every six months to reevaluate. And it's not just reevaluate and say, okay, how am I doing in terms of taking tangible steps? It's do those goals, do those aspirations, do those priorities, do they still make sense to me? Is that, do I still agree with what I wrote? And simply by putting it down on paper, that's one step where scientifically we know you're more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down. Secondly, I encourage folks to share these goals with individuals because, again, the percentage of success, again, goes up as you start sharing with individuals because now you have built in some accountability. But really, it's this whole concept. And and I have myself, I I practice this every six months. I have in my Google calendar a reminder, go revisit your life plan, see if you're on track and if see if it still makes sense. And if it doesn't, that's okay. That's not a problem. It means you tried something and it didn't work or you, you were exposed to something new and you're growing. And that's what life is. It's growing, it's developing, and it's understanding that, that things change. Wonderful. Well, listeners, I, I know that you've gained the kind of inspiration and coaching and uh, specific ideas and tips from Mike Bjorns that we have. Mike, we just appreciate you joining us so much. No, thank you so much. This is fantastic. I love the conversation. And remind us how we can connect with you and uh, learn more about you and your work and specifically the book. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on my website. So michaelbjarnis.com. Super simple, just my full name. Um, You can also find me on LinkedIn, um, any social media, really just Michael Bjarnis. Very easy to find me on on all platforms. Uh, My book is available wherever you buy books. So Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Kobo, international folks, they're there as well. So um, yeah, we're going to continue on this book tour and get it in as many bookstores as possible and, and spread the word. Well, all the best to you on that. And Kirsten, this idea of, you know, again, striving for individuals to reach their success, but we've really gotten some insight today on what else success might mean in well, a leadership yes. of, of a conscious company. Conscious Absolutely. Leaders. Absolutely. And the bridge again, between the science, the metaphysics, right? There's so many components to it that come together, but then practical application. Yes, exactly. And Mike, I think you've uh, this idea that you've combined your own personal sort of beliefs and uh, values and experiences, but also layered on the scientific research and layered on the rigor of interviews. We, we always love to see a book with a little more heft than uh, just, <laughs> I, I like motivation as much as anybody, but uh, it's good to see the rigor behind a book like this. Congratulations on it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, listeners, again, come back again for our next episode. We're going to continue talking with conscious leaders about how they make impact for profit, of course, but also for the people and the planet. And that's what IntelliKey is all about. And Mike mentioned this seed. You know, the seed knows what plant is inside of it. We can't <laughs> change the plant after it's already been planted. 
So, yeah, we water it, we give it the right environment, we give it some sunshine and fertilizer, but we also give it, you know, a chance to reach its full potential. And I think Mike has encouraged that. So his book is Redefining Success, and it's available wherever books are sold. Come back again for our next episode. We'll continue these conversations. Kirsten and I enjoy talking with conscious leaders all over the world about how they gain inspiration and they gain motivation, but also these practical steps that Kirsten talked about to uh, reach their full IntelliKey for their companies and for themselves. So for Kirsten Goldie, I'm Mark Stenson for IntelliKey Leadership Stories. See you next time. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn and visit our website, pureintelliKey.com. I'm Jared Kajak. Join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories. This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host two other podcasts you might enjoy, Unlocking Your World of Creativity and Five Minutes of Peace. Subscribe today and leave a review on your favorite podcast player.